so this morning, I'm going to ask a couple questions, and I don't want you to answer them out loud, but we just, we're just going to, we're just going to ask some questions, and as you sit there, you just kind of ponder the thought. But I'm going to ask you guys this question. Do you want to walk in a greater fullness of the Holy Spirit? And then we ask ourselves, what is the greater, right? Do you want to see the Great Commission fulfilled? Do you want to see reformation, transformation in our society, in our nature, in our, in our region, in our state, in our nation? I mean, these are things that, that you know, I, kind of, I just kind of ponder the thoughts with the Lord. And, you know, we're all about revival. Everybody's like, revival, revival. And like, man, praise God, we want to see revival. We do. We need revival in our nation. But before we get to revival, there has to be an awakening. See, an awakening comes, then reformation gets kicked. I mean, the, the revival comes in, and then reformation gets kicked in. And that's what we want to see. We want to see a revival that, that, that leads to reformation, and reformation is what is sustainable. We don't need just a couple meetings. Come on. I'm telling you what, you, you know, it, my days of just, nah, I'm, I'm choosing my words really wisely here, okay. We lived in Alabama for about four, four years, and you have heard me say this before, that everybody was in revival. I mean, there was a church every block. I mean, we lived, there was a Bible Belt. So I got a really bad taste of the word revival, and I, I, I tried to steer, steer away from the word revival itself because of that, 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 that stigma that it has. But I'm going to tell you what, revival is the refreshing of the Lord. Revival is the renewing, it's the refreshing. Revival is Jesus. Amen. Revival is Jesus. So we need to see a move of God. And I'll tell you what, there is a great reformation and transformation that God is birthing forth right now. You know, even in the midst of the calamity, even in the midst of the chaos, everything that we see going on, God is on the move. He is. And it is, we're going to see it, listen, there is an awakening in the church of, of, of the Lord, in the church of, in the body that God is birthing forth in this hour that we're going to see the body of Christ emerge. It's the government of heaven. It's the ecclesia. It is the church of God emerging. I believe it with all my heart. Hmm. It will be an awakening to people that will impact this nation our churches, and I even, I even will say this. I believe that we're going to see, and, and I, don't, I don't say this in a, in a bad way, but we're going to see a lot of church doors closing because the Lord is going to begin to shut some doors that need to be shut, and he's going to open the doors that need to be opened because there's a message of the gospel that needs to be preached, and it's not about man's doctrines. It's not about man's opinions. It's not about, it's about the kingdom of heaven being demonstrated here on earth. That's it. It was always about the kingdom from the very beginning. Thy kingdom come. Not your doctrine come or your theology come. The kingdom of God. So we're going to see it happen. You know, the, um, this past weekend, I mean, this past week, the Lord just kind of impressed. I mean, I'm going to share some of the things that he, he was speaking to me on, but 
I heard this in the spirit. He said that, that we are being pregnanted with promise. That we have been pregnant with promise. And it's for our purpose and our destiny are being ready to be birthed. I don't know about you guys, but, but this past couple of months has been a really weird you know, we, we come from the pandemic, and then, you know, now we, it feels like we're coming out, and now people of the church is trying to go back in. Like, no, 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 no. No. Out of the caves. Come on. The emerging church. We ain't going in no caves. But there's, there is something that is being birthed. We have been impregnated with promise, meaning that there is a promise of our purpose and our destiny that God is getting ready to release now. There are words of destiny that each and every one of us have inside of us. I'm going to tell you what. There have been words that have been spoken over you. There are seeds that have been placed inside of you. I, listen, even to when you were a young child, as young children, there were seeds, praying grandmothers, praying moms and fathers that we're going to see those seeds come to fruition now. And the Lord gave me a word a while back, and, and I said, God, why haven't we seen those things come to pass? What, what about all the words, all the prophetic words, and what about all the promises, God? Why not? What's, what's taking so long? And it's because he said there wasn't a spiritual maturity that those words and those seeds were able to rest upon. We have been in a place of walking, and because the word of the Lord is always yea and amen, but the season and the timing doesn't mean it's, it's for that time. But I believe this. I believe that we are now in a season and a timing that God is now wanting to birth forth these words, these promises, words of destiny. Come on, there's prophets in here. There's apostles in here. There's pastors in here. There's evangelists here. There's calls in our lives that we haven't seen to come to fruition. But now's the time. Come on, I'm telling you. Now's the time. You know, I, I, I think about, you know, when the Lord gave me this thing about birthing, and I'm like, ah, birthing, okay. <laughs> birthing. But I remember when my son, when I gave birth to my, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> when my wife gave birth to our, our, our elder, yeah, come on, take the credit, right? No. But when, when, when my, our first son was, was born, she went through a really hard labor process. I mean, I don't know how many hours we were, she, we, we, right? <laughs> God forgive me. But, hey, I was there. I can take some. But listen, we were, we were, you were in labor for a long time. She was in labor for a long time, and it was a hard process. And I remember the, all, all I could, I, I didn't know nothing, guys. I, all I could do was like, and I remember asking her the question. And she, oh, she got so mad at me. I didn't know, though. I'm like, I'm young. I'm, I mean, I'm like, I'm like 21, I don't know, 21 years old. I said, Baby, are you okay? And then I said, how does it feel? <laughs> Ooh, wrong question. Wrong question, boy. So, young fathers, don't ask that question. If you're watching on, don't ask that. But anyway, but, but the birthing process 
it's sometimes it's really hard and long. And it's difficult. And it's painful at times. It really is. But there's something about when you begin to see the mother begin to push. It's like when you begin to push, there's something about the beauty in the push. There's something beautiful about the birthing that takes place in the natural. Listen, I want you to hear what I'm saying. I want you to think in the spirit. See, the Lord is wanting us to birth something new right now. And we've been in a season where it's been a little bit difficult. And we felt like we've, we've had some offenses. We've had some hurts. We've had some hang-ups. We've, had, we've been in a hard time. But the Lord says it's time to push. It's time to push. The Lord is saying it's time to push. As I continue to ask the Lord and, and I'm saying, Lord, what, what is it that you're trying to say? He says, we're now in a prophetic season and timing. So let's turn to Ecclesiastics chapter 3. You know, we've gone through some serious things. Some of us have had some really issues with our health, with our family members. And we go through timing and seasons. So we're going to read in Ecclesiastics uh, chapter 3, and we're going to be through verses 1 through 9. Everything has a time. To everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones, and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace, and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to gain, and a time to lose, a time to keep, and a time to throw away, a time to fear, and a time to sow, a time to keep silent, and a time to speak, a time to love, and a time to hate, a time of war, and a time of peace. But the Lord says this, but today it is time to push. It is time to birth. It is time to birth. And you know, I, I love, I love uh, how the Lord will often confirm What's happening in the spirit with something that's happening in the natural. With something that's happening in the natural. And at the same time that the Lord's speaking to me about this word, about pushing and birthing, Pastor Jeff and Pastor Judy are having their grandchildren. Amen. Their daughter-in-law just gave birth to beautiful twins. Congratulations. Beautiful twins. But see, I believe it's a picture of what God is saying. I believe the twins is even a picture of the double-double, the double blessing. It really is. 
baby Abigail. She was born at 8.56 p.m., 5 pounds, 10 ounces. The Lord says her scripture is Acts 8, verses 5 and 6, because it's about the timing. There's a timing and a season for her. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And the multitudes with one accord heeded to the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. Abigail will be a voice to a generation with God using her for his mighty exploits. She, and this is what the Lord said. She is the carrier of the inheritance that you have either, yet your family has been eagerly awaiting. Amen. Don't know what that's about. Her name means cause of joy. It means father's joy. Father's joy. And she will be just that. The other twin was Isaiah. Born at 9.16 p.m. Man, he took a little bit while to come out of that one. He, he, took, he took longer. Six pounds, 11 ounces. Zechariah 9.16. The Lord their God will save them. In that day, as a flock of his people, for they shall be like jewels of the crown, lifted like a banner over his, hand, over his land. Isaiah means God of salvation. It means God saves. This is the picture of the promising of the birthing that God is doing right now. Listen, it's not about, no disrespect, it's not about the babies being born. I don't want to emphasize that. But I'm saying is this, that God will often use something in the natural to confirm in the spirit. And there is something about the double blessing that are coming and the birthing and the pushing. You see, even the season and the timing, even the, 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 uh, the Zechariah 9.16, for the Lord God will save them in that day. That is a picture of the promises and the destiny that God will save us. No matter what it looks like, no matter what's happening, God is in control. And we win. <laughs> we win. Amen. We must be ready. Saints, we must be ready. We are going to see an unprecedented move of God. But we first must begin to align ourselves with the fullness of God. The fullness of God. We talk about the fullness a lot. So we're going to talk about what the fullness looks like. We're going to be, uh, let's turn to Isaiah 11, verse 1. A shoot will spring from the stem of Jesse. Then a shoot will spring from the stem of Jesse, and the branch, uh, branch from his root will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest upon him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding. The spirit of counsel and strength. The spirit of knowledge and of fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. And he will not judge by what his eyes see, nor make decisions by what his ears hear. You see, there's something about the fullness. And what we just read right there, these are, the, these are what we can call the seven expressions of the fullness of God, the seven spirits of God, the seven spirits of God. So let's talk about 
these for just a second. And number one, the Spirit of the Lord. I may not be going in order, so I'm just I'm going according to the way I have my notes written. <laughs> number one, we're going to go with the Spirit of the Lord. The Spirit of the Lord mandates us for position. It's what God did. It's what, it's what Jesus did on the cross. When Jesus died that day on Calvary, he said, it is finished. And all of heaven has been imputed into you and I. The righteousness of heaven has been imputed into you and I that we become the righteous heirs of the kingdom of God. That means that we are now made in right standing. The righteousness of heaven is imputed. God, listen. It's... When they look at, when, when you, you are made right. So the Spirit of the Lord mandates us for position. It's, you are qualified. It teaches us about positional dominion and how to exercise it on earth. See, we're talking about the kingdom. And we want, what, what does that look like? We go back to Genesis 126. The very beginning. What was the original intent? Let us make man in our image. And then we go on and give him dominion over everything. It teaches us about power, the power. It teaches about sonship, rulership, God's glory. It brings divine order and divine justice out of heaven. And it teaches us how to, ex to, to release it here on earth. The Spirit of the Lord. The Spirit of wisdom. It helps equip us for the positioning. How many of you don't, I mean, wisdom. We need the wisdom of the Lord. I don't want to do nothing unless the Lord's giving me wisdom for it. Whew. It equips us on how we're being positioned. It teaches us and it reveals God's judgment and justice and how to exercise it. It teaches us how to be skillful and to be wise in mind, word, and action. It releases contentment and joy even to those around you. Don't you just, listen, even with us, we have a, a, an accountability. We have uh, um, apostolic leaders. We have pastors, and we've got prophetic people that, that the Lord has, has entrusted with us that we walk with hand in hand in season. And whenever there's decisions that we need to make, whether it, it could be pertaining to the church, we ask for the godly wisdom, but there is heavenly wisdom and accountability that comes. You just don't want to make a decision because it feels good. So wisdom comes with even those that are around us, mentors, leaders, spiritual leaders. The spirit of understanding, the spirit of understanding authorizes us for position. It teaches us when and where to access the heavenly realms and how to use what we have. How to, how to uh, decipher, how to understand what it is that we're seeing. Discernment. 
How do I know I'm hearing God? How do I know I'm not being misled? How do I know it's after the Spirit of the Lord? The Spirit of understanding comes, and it gives you wisdom and understanding how to perceive, how to view, how to teach, how to inform others about different realms of the kingdom. Then we go into the spirit of counsel. The spirit of counsel prepares us for position. It teaches us how to access the counsel of God. It teaches us how to resolve, commune with God. It teaches us about the functions and the counsel and the chamber of God, the advisors, the Holy Trinity, and the role in our lives, and how we rule. Because listen, when I say words like rule, this goes back to a king and a kingdom. We are ambassadors in the kingdom. We got to get out of our church mentality. Our, our, because it was always about the kingdom. Then we go into the spirit of strength and might. The word might in this passage literally means powerful, strong, and valiant. And it is used to describe warriors. It's the same word used to describe in Psalms 24. If we can pull that up, Psalms 24, verses 7 and 8. Where it says, lift up your heads, all you gates, and be lifted up, you everlasting door. And the king of glory shall come in. Who is the king of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, mighty in battle. The spirit of strength and might. The spirit of might reveals and positions us about the supernatural realms of God and how to exercise dominion over earth and the spirit realm, about the power and dominion of God, about the council and the chamber of war and how to war in the heavenlies, how we are seated in the heavenlies with Christ, about the seats of government and kingship. Again, I'm talking about a kingdom. I'm talking about a kingdom. And how it works in the kingdom of God. Amen. Holy Ghost. Spirit of knowledge. The spirit of knowledge. The spiritual gift of knowledge is also known as a word of knowledge. Or... The utterance of knowledge. The Greek word for this gift is called, and I'm going to mess this up, but it's ginois. G-N-O-S-I-S, if you're taking notes. And it simply means the knowledge and understanding. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians 12. And go verse 8. For the one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. What we're seeing here in 1 Corinthians 12.8 is the ability to speak this knowledge to others in any given situation. Words of wisdom, words of knowledge, the prophetic, that glory. Listen, they all work together. Holy Spirit. 
Jesus. Holy Spirit. In the opening passage of 1 Corinthians, Paul uh, spoke of uh, the knowledge that recognized the highest form among men in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it was the gospel of Jesus, the testimony of Jesus. What this means is this, that the gift of knowledge is an understanding of all things in the world and our lives that is founded in the gospel. And rooted in the scriptures, this gift is closely related to the gift of wisdom, which is the eluded, uh, what Paul is talking about in 1 Corinthians verse 1 and 18 and 31. So I do have to apologize because my notes just went backwards and I'm just kind of reading upside down. I'm like, wow. But see, the spirit of knowledge empowers us and it teaches us how to access the knowledge of God. How to apply it to us. How to apply it with those around us. How it rules over uh, what to do and what not to do. How many, don't we need knowledge of the Lord? Like, God, you want me to move my entire family? Well, you better, you better make sure that's the Lord talking to you. You want me to open a church? You want me to close my church? I mean, I'm just giving examples. You want me to marry this person? <laughs> Knowledge. The Lord. It teaches us how to meditate and receive insight and revelation. It gives us information on, on how to receive even vision, how to release vision. We're talking about the seven spirits of the Lord. See, these are the attributes. This is the nature of the Holy Spirit. We can sum it all up. It's Holy Spirit. Number seven, the spirit of the fear of the Lord. The spirit of the fear of the Lord brings accountability and how it teaches us how to understand the awe, the wonder, the holiness, the majesty, and the purity of God, the actual person of God, the intimacy with him, and worship. Just as God is one, has three distinct persons, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, so the Holy Spirit is one. With seven expressions. So let, let, we're going to dig in. Let, let's turn to Revelations 1. And we're going to go to, we're going to start at verse 10. One, and we're going to be in verse 10 and 11. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me, behind me a loud voice as a trumpet saying, I am the Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. And what you see, write in the book and send it to the seven churches, which are in Asia, Ephesus, to Samaria, Pergamos, and Titra, Titeria, and Sardis, and Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. John is describing how he came to receive the revelation of the Lord. First of all, we see that he said, while he was in the Spirit, 
John heard a powerful voice commanding him to write this message down. I don't, come on, that's pretty good. Can you imagine being in the house and the, the audible voice? <laughs> right? Write this down. <laughs> Whoa! Come on, man. But he heard the Lord and he commanded him to write this down. A powerful voice commanding him to write the message to the seven churches. That's in verse 111. And according to this verse, John turned around to see who was speaking to him. He turned around to see who was speaking in a loud voice like a trumpet. And upon doing so, he saw seven golden lampstands. In the Old Testament, the single golden lampstand with seven lamps that burned with the oil stood in the tabernacle and later on in the temple. It's, it, it, it stood right before you entered into the Holy of Holies as they would come into the, tabern, as the, the tabernacle. The, the, the lampstand would stand on the table of showbread right before they would go in to the Holy of Holies. And I believe that's even like the visit, that, that's the invitation. I'll get deeper in that minute. Exodus 25, 31 says this. You shall also make a lampstand of pure gold. Then the lampstand shall be hammered, be of hammered work. Its shaft, its branches, its bowls, its ornamental knobs, the flowers shall be of one piece. So talking about this lampstand. Then we go to Hebrews 9, verse 2. For the tabernacle was prepared. The first part in which was the lampstand on the table and then the showbread, which is called the sanctuary. So we also see in Zechariah 4, um, the angel showed in the Old Testament, the, uh, the angel showed uh, Zechariah the Old Testament. He shows him uh, blah, 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 the lampstand. He showed him the golden lampstand with the bowl. He shows him the golden lampstand with the bowl and on top the seven lamps on top of it. Let, let's turn to Zechariah chapter 4 if you can. And we're going to be in verse 1 and 2. Now the angel who talked with me came back and wakened me as a man who was wakened out of his sleep. And he said to me, what do you see? So I said, I, uh, I am looking and there is a lampstand of solid gold with a bowl on top of it. And on the stand, seven lamps and seven pipes and seven lamps. See, the single lampstand represented the nation of Israel, whom God had chosen to be the light of the Gentiles. But however, John saw seven individual lampstands. So I, I want, are y'all tra tracking them? Y'all okay? Do you understand what I'm saying? Okay. Y'all yeah, are just quiet and staring at me. <laughs> so the lampstand represented Israel. So now John, now we bring it into the new, John 
See, seven lampstands. Seven individual lampstands. Revelation explains the seven lampstands represented the seven churches. Each individual church is supposed to shine her light into spiritual darkness. Philippi, that, that's, what, that's what they were talking about. That's what it's talking about. That the seven churches, he was, he would, they were to, to, to shine the light in their time. For, uh, Philippians, let's go to Philippians 2, verse 14 and 15. Follow me, guys. We're going somewhere. We're going somewhere. Do all things without complaining and disputing that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. Revelations, Revelation 3.1. To the angel of the church of Sardis write, these are the words of him who hold the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. So now we got seven stars. So we got a lot of sevens going on. Then we go to Revelations 4, 5. From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumbling, and the peals of thunder. Before the throne, seven lamps were blazing. These are the seven spirits of God. Then we go to Revelations 5, 6. Then I saw a lamb. Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing in the center of the throne, encircled by four living creatures and the elders. He has seven horns and seven eyes, and they which are the seven spirits of God. Sent out into the whole earth. Hmm. The seven. The seven is the fullness. Yes, yeah, seven hand, horns, I'm sorry. Seven horns. It's the fullness of power. You have seven eyes. It's the fullness of insight, of vision. <laughs> Come on. I get, I get excited. <laughs> because, see, if we read, it says that the seven spirits of God do not remain in heaven. He says they were sent out. Amen. They were sent out. That's the key. Because that means they're available to us. And I know we know this. In our mind, we know this. Like, oh, yeah, we Holy Spirit, we do. But, but why aren't we functioning in the very thing that we think and we say that we know? If the Holy Spirit is evident in our lives, why are we not functioning in the spirit of wisdom and counsel and might? Why are we, why are we walking around like a defeated bride? Why are we walking around like a church who's been defeated? Where's the word of wisdom? Where's the word of knowledge? 
See, we got to know who we are. They were sent out. So if they're sent out, how are, how are the seven spirits carried into the world today? This, is a cur- this occurs by every spirit-filled believer. We are carriers of the fullness, the radiating presence of God everywhere we go. That means it's inside of you. It's inside of me. It's inside the children. There is no baby Holy Spirit. This is a picture for us that demonstrates the omnipresence of God. Hmm. So we got the seven golden lampstands. Now we got seven stars. Revelations 120. And I'm almost done, guys. I promise. <laughs> the mystery of the seven stars that you saw in the the mist it's on Revelation 120. I'm sorry. Revelation, Revelation 120. The mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand of the seven golden lampstands is this. The seven stars are the seven angels of the seven churches. And the seven lampstands are the seven churches. The difference between the seven spirits, I'm sorry, we need to notice the difference between the seven spirits and the seven lampstands, okay? The seven, and the the seven stars, each church listed in Revelations 2 and 3 has a messenger that's attached to the church. Come on, get that. That is assigned to them. The lampstands are the seven churches of Asia Minor, and the seven stars are the pictures of the seven angels assigned to the seven churches. But the blazing or burning lamps are the representation of the seven spirits of God. Now, I'm trying to put this all together for you guys. If we put it all together, the seven spirits of God, the seven spheres of culture, and the seven, and we, we, we can call them the mountain mandates. Today, the Holy Spirit is in all the fullness that is being sent forth to the entire world. And just as there, uh, there are seven spirits, we also find that there are seven cultural mountains where believers are to carry an impact and influence. You see, we don't just come to church. We are carriers of the, of the Holy Spirit. That everywhere we go, we are called to impact and transform and to, 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 to take dominion. We are kingdom citizens. We are ambassadors of the kingdom. Therefore, wherever we go, we should have a, an influence, a cultural influence. 
there are angels assigned. The seven cultural spheres. We should have an influence on families. We should have an influence on government. I mean, we've said this before. I mean, gosh, man, look at what's happening in our government right now. What would it look like if we had some God-fearing, Holy Spirit-filled leaders running our nation right now? We got to pray that in. We have to begin to position ourselves. In education, that we would have an influence in the education system. God, look what's happening in the education system right now. They're wanting, they're wanting to teach our children about the gay and lesbian. I mean, really? Just trash. What would it look like if we had the influence, Holy Spirit-filled people in the mountain of education running that? Now, I'm going to say something else. What would it look like if we had Holy Spirit-filled believers running the church? We've got a lot of churches around, but we've got a lot of churches that have no power. They do their Sunday services. They'll sing their songs. There ain't nobody being healed from the sick. There's a lot. What would it look like if we were we had an influence in the media and the culture of arts? The movies that are coming out of Hollywood, man, Holy Ghost filled. People watching movies. Listen, there is a ten, there is an anointing that's attached to media. We can go right now to YouTube and we can see a video that was uploaded that was recorded in 1940-something. You can go see John G. Lake or a Captain Coleman or whoever. And we and praise God for the old man and the old lady that was there. It wasn't like they could just hit digital, you know what I mean? They're there, there. But there was something powerful about media. That there's a moment of time that is captured. That as soon as you go back 50, 60 years later and you hit that play button, the tangible anointing is released like you were right there in that meeting. There is no time with God. What would it look like if the media was influenced by, by the seven spirits of God? So I ask you a question. Do the seven spirits of God rest upon your life? Better yet, what about your ministry? See, the Holy Spirit wants, he wants to make us his dwelling place within upon, with this and with upon us and upon every believer's life. So the question, do you want more? Right? Do you want more? Like, and, and, and this is not about, about works. And I don't believe that. There's nothing you can do to get to heaven. It's what Jesus did. 
There is more. And I know that when, when Jesus came, and see, I hear religious boom, bubbles pop. Jesus came and he fulfilled it. Therefore, we have access to all of it. But guess what? There's something about this de desiring more. Like, God, I want to go deeper, God. Yes. I want more of you. I want to see it. The tangible manifestation of the power and the glory. Man, I want to see revival break out in, in, in Walmart. Right? Get on the speaker. <laughs> Healing in aisle nine. Healing in aisle nine. Why, why not? We're carriers of the glory. <laughs> Jesus. Do you want more? So I'm going to just pray for us this morning as we close. Let me get uh, the worship team to come on up. Uh, we're going to do the baptisms in just a few moments. But I want to ask you all the question and just kind of ponder the thought. Do the seven spirits of God rest upon you? Because, see, they rested on Jesus. Everywhere Jesus went, he manifested the kingdom of heaven. Everywhere Jesus went, he was walking in the fullness of the kingdom. He was the walking kingdom. And guess what? You and I are the ambassadors of the kingdom of heaven, which means that we are the representation of the Father here on earth. Because we have been made right in right standings. So, Father, I just, let's just close our eyes. Let's, we're just going to pray. Father, I just thank you, God. Lord, that you would give us wisdom and understanding, God. Father, for the seven spirits, God. Father, we thank you for the counsel and might, God. We thank you, Father. We thank you for the spirit of knowledge, God. <laughs> spirit of counsel, of understanding, God. For the spirit of the Lord. Holy Spirit, even now, I ask for an awakening in our own lives, Lord. That whatever's in our life, God, that isn't right this morning, God, that we would begin to make it right, Lord. Lord, even right now, be, be, begin to uh, bring remembrance of things that, that, that we may need to, to lay down, God. Whether it's hurts or an offense, God. Whether it's bitterness, God. Maybe things that have happened in our past that, that we didn't understand, God. Maybe, we, maybe some of us have, in here have been hurt even in ministry. God, I laid all my life down. I give it all for you, God. And this happened? 
Lord, I give everything to you. And, and this happened to my son or my daughter, my mom or my dad. Lord, even now, God, I ask for healing in our hearts. But bring an awakening to us, God. That we would operate and we would sit and rest in the fullness of who you created us to be, God. Holy Spirit, have your way. Holy Spirit, have your way. That there would be no lack in our lives, God. And if there's anything in our lives that we need to lay down and just say, God, I laid at your feet this morning. I repent, God, even now, Lord. I repent of my prideful ways, God. I repent of, of just, of, of not listening, of disobedience, God. Whatever it looks like, Lord, we just repent, God, right now, Lord. As we, as we pray, Lord, right now where we're at. And we do it on our own, Lord. Lord, we lay it at your feet this morning, God. Father, we thank you for the seven spirits, for your seven spirits, God. And we ask, Lord, that they would rest upon us right now, Lord. Right now. Holy Spirit, have your way. Have your way. In Jesus' name.